Well, good morning, Coastal Community Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you're with us today. My name is TJ, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, just an FYI, those two are married, so they're allowed to have that kind of PDA. It's, it's fine. I know some of y'all are like, did they just, there was their kissing on the set? Yes, there was. It's okay. They're married. They're allowed to do that. We're trying to teach you how to have the best love, sex, marriage, relationships ever, and that's, that's a good thing. And so uh, uh, we, we want to help you with that. We want to encourage you in that. Can we go ahead and welcome all of our family that's joining us online right now? Can we give it up for them, man? We love you guys. We miss you guys, man. We're so glad that you're joining us online. We are in this series called The Best Ever, and we're talking about how do we end up with the ultimate relationship? How do we go from nothing to something to something more to ultimately having relationships that are at the next level? And I want to talk to you today about something that if you've been married for a very, very long time, when I tell you what we're going to talk about today, you're going to go, oh, 100%. I agree with that 100%. For those of you that are, are just newly married, this is something you're going to have to learn. If you haven't figured it out yet, this is something that's going to be really, really important for your life. And for those of you that are wanting to get married one day, you need to take some notes because it's going to help you. It's going to be important for your life. And, and if you get this, it will change everything about your relational world. I don't care if this is for marriage. I don't... It, it, also applies to our friendships. And here's the big idea behind today. It's this, relationships that work take work. Relationships that work are going to take some work because you don't just automatically fall into healthy relationships. Healthy relationships happen because of work. Healthy marriages don't happen by accident. They happen because some, a couple decided we're going to put in a lot of work. Kids that fear and love God don't happen on accident. They happen because parents were intentional and they put in the work to instill those values into their children. And so if you want great relationships in your life, relationships that work are going to take some work. Now, I know automatically nobody likes that because nobody really wants to work that hard. But I want to challenge you today and for the rest of your life that you can have as healthy of a relationship as you're willing to work. And so if you want to have a better marriage, if you want to have better friendships, if you want to have better relationships, you need to lean in and take some notes today because we're going to be studying the love story of a guy named Jacob. And Jacob is significant in our faith. In fact, uh, it says Abraham, who, who had the son Isaac, who had a son named Jacob. And it's kind of the fathers of our faith. They ended up, Jacob ended up having the 12 sons that ended up becoming the 12 tribes of Israel. Very significant in our history of, of the Bible. But we're not going to talk about his children today. We're going to talk about how he discovered love. And Jacob's story is a very interesting love story. He, he was having a little bit of a feud with his brother Esau. And back in the day when you were ready to get married, what you would do is you would go back to your family's place of origin and you would find a family member that you would want to marry. So it'd be like you were from Arkansas or West Virginia or Margate. If, if, if you were, oh, I know the Margate people always get dogged here in South Florida. Uh, but you, if you were looking for a spouse, you would go back to that place and you would end up 
marrying one of your relatives. And so he goes back to where his uncle's or his mom's family is from and discovers one of his uncles. And he sees a girl at a well. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in Genesis chapter 29. It says, when Jacob saw Rachel, daughter of his uncle Laban, and Laban's sheep, he went over and rolled away the stone from the mouth of the well and watered his uncle's sheep. So there's Rachel. She's a shepherd. She's got her sheep there. She's at the place where they're going to water the sheep, except there is this large stone that is covering the well, and she can't seem to move it. Jacob sees this girl, and he's like, dang, that girl is fine. She is good looking, and he also notices that there is an opportunity to impress her here. And so he goes over, and he's going to be the hero of the story. He rolls away the stone. She's able to water her animals. I mean, this is like heroic moment for him. It's a pretty cool aspect. Then in verse 11, it says, Then Jacob kissed Rachel and began to weep aloud. Which is incredible. And what this tells me right here is that Jacob was homeschooled. Right? Because the only person that starts kissing for the first time and starts crying is a homeschooled kid. Okay. Everybody's homeschooled right now. I'm sorry. (laughs) Kids are going to have issues. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Now, if this was a Disney story, the story would end right here, right? Because he found the girl. He got the hero. He kissed the girl. Now they're just going to live happily ever after because that's how Disney makes it. But this is real life, and this is reality. And reality is, is if you're going to make relationships work, they are going to take some work. And so Jacob's like, hey, I want to marry this girl. He goes back to his uncle Laban, which is her father, and says, hey, I want to marry your daughter. And here's what I'll do. I'll work seven years for her. I'll do whatever it takes. And, and he says that because he knows that relationships that work take work. And then in verse 16, it says, now Laban had two daughters. This is important. And it says, the name of the older was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, which let me stop right here and tell you what that means. Uh, it does not mean that, that Leah had trouble seeing. Like it wasn't like she needed glasses. The Bible is actually referencing. And if I were to put this in today's terms, that girl ugly. That's what that means right there. I'm not being mean. I'm just being actual, uh, factual here of what the Bible says. She's ugly. And it goes on to say, but Rachel had a lovely figure. So apparently she's good looking and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. So he makes this agreement. He's like, man, I'll give you seven years of my life for that girl. Verse 20. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. And all the ladies said, you got it. I don't understand this story at all. This story to me makes no sense because when I want something, I want it right now. Anybody else relate to me with that? Like, when I want something, I want it right now. I have a hard time waiting in life. God did not bless me with the spiritual gift of patience or waiting. And so, like, when I have to wait for things, I get so frustrated. When I set an appointment with somebody else, I expect that person to show up on time. Like, I'm not waiting. If you're five minutes early, you're on the verge of being late. Like, I do not like to Wait, when I go to a fast food restaurant and I put my order and I roll up to that first window and I give them my money, when I get to the second window, I expect my food to be there. 
right? I gave you my money. Give me my food now. When they say to me, sir, I'm going to need you to pull up in that parking spot, I'm like, no, I am not leaving this window because the moment I pull up in that parking spot, you are going to forget about me and I'm going to be stuck waiting for six years. Like, I don't like waiting. When I call your business on the phone and it's ringing and you pick up and you ask me, can you please wait a second? No. Why did you pick up the phone? I don't like waiting. And here's what I've learned. And I need to preface this because so many of us, what we fail to realize about relationships is so much about relationships is about waiting. And you have got to learn how to wait well. Many of you in here are waiting for that spouse. Others of you are waiting for that spouse to ask you to marry you. Or that potential spouse to ask you to marry you. Some of you are waiting to get pregnant. Some of you are waiting for that relationship to get better. Some of you are waiting for that impending divorce. Some of you guys are in this season where you're waiting, and then there's some more waiting, and then there's some more waiting, and then there's some more waiting. And I know so many people that would say, TJ, I am in this season just like Jacob, and and I know what I want. Like, I've got the picture, I've got the idea, and I'm just waiting. And here's what I would tell you today if you're taking notes. Number one, a waiting season is not a wasted season. And somebody, that is a word from God for you today because you're in a waiting season and God needs you to know right here, right now, that he sees you. And that waiting season in your life is not a wasted season. I know you made a list of 27 traits you wanted in a spouse when you were 15 years old. But that waiting season is not a wasted season for you. Because if you're waiting right now, that means God is trying to do something in your life. God is trying to develop some things inside of you right now. He's trying to get you to the point that that you would have the character and the competency and all the things that are necessary so that when he brings you that promise of what you're waiting for, you'll actually be ready to receive that thing and handle that thing in your life. And so here's what I would encourage you to do. Don't hate the wait. Don't hate the wait. Because some people, they get in the waiting season and they're like, I just hate this season. And I know it's tough. I know it's hard. I know it's not sexy. But anything that is significant in your life that you want is worth waiting for. It's worth waiting for. Like, there is nothing out there that is good. Like, let me say it like this. If it's worth it, you'll wait for it. If it's truly worth it, you will wait for it. So don't give up in this season right now. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, it says, so let us not get tired of doing what is good. Why does he say that? Because what happens is is the reason we get tired is because we're doing something and we're not seeing fruit yet. He says, "Don't, don't get tired in that season. He said, For at just the right time, which means there's something coming off in the distance, you will reap a harvest. Like, like, listen, you're gonna you're gonna get that relationship. You're gonna see that promotion. You're gonna experience that thing that you've been longing and waiting for. You are gonna get pregnant in life if we don't 
give up. And I just feel like so many people are in a season where they're waiting. And we got to be like Jacob. He sees what he wants and he goes, you know what? I'm going to wait for seven years. Don't despise the season that God has got you in. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3. It says, the vision is for a future time. Everybody say future time. What does that mean? It means it's in, the, it's in the future, right? But I've learned that God's time is not my time. You know when my time is? It's right now or yesterday. But God says, man, it's, it's a future time. So if it hasn't happened in your life, that means that God has it and is just coming in your future. He says, if it seems slow, here's what I want you to do. I want you to wait patiently. I just need you to hold your horses for a moment. Just hold on. Wait a minute. He says, for surely it will take place. It will not be delayed. And so I want to encourage some of you that are in a waiting season. And I know that you're like, well, TJ, what do I do when I'm in a waiting season? Jacob gives us the answer. He works for seven years. So many people would think that when they're in a waiting season, that means I'm just going to sit back on my laurels and I'm going to do nothing and I'm going to wait and I'm, going to, I'm not going to achieve anything just waiting for this thing to happen. No, 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 no. A waiting season should be the greatest working season of your life. What should you be working on? How about you work on your character? How about you, you start to work on your, your commitment? How about you start to work on your competency? Why don't you finish those tasks? Why don't you finish that degree? How about this? Why don't you work on your credit score? Okay. Come on, we're getting practical here. Well, I'll wait till marriage to do No, 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 no. Do that right now. Watch what God will do in your life when you say, God, I'm going to work the weight in my life. And watch how God will start to reveal things and develop things and create things in your life. And you'll go, man, I'll be working on it while I'm waiting on it. And while I'm doing that, God will show up and show off in my life. And here's why it's so important. Because I've realized that, man, when I'm in... This season of life, this waiting season, it's easy to get bored. And here's what I've learned. Boredom is the breeding ground for stupidity. Just is. That's biblical right there. You write that down. Boredom is the breeding ground for stupidity. Think about all the dumb things you've done in your life. When did you do them? When you were bored? The worst decisions I've made in my life were seasons where I was bored and I was just like, let's go do something really, really foolish in my life because boredom will keep you doing dumb things so in this season you know what you need to do get yourself in a connect group in fact put yourself in three connect groups you need some things in your life go through next steps and learn and develop how god created you and made you so that you can start to develop those gifts and talents that he's put in your life hey this is a great season for you to serve in church start to develop some characteristics that you're going to need in your marriage and you're like oh, but tj i don't i don't want to overcommit to anything listen if you can't commit to something like an hour on sunday how are you going to commit to somebody for 24-7 for the rest of your life. Oh, that, that deserves it. I'm preaching way better than you're responding right now. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. They're just not listening. They're hearing, but they don't not listening. Listen, I know you want kids so bad right now. And you think, well, when I get to that season, then I'll do all those things. No, 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 no. Enjoy not having children right now. If you need a fix, Pastor Josh, you have four kids, right? 
They're, they're, open. they're open for you to bring them over and take care of them for a couple days free for him. He'll, he'll bless you in that way. Why? There are some things in your waiting season you won't be able to do when the promise comes into your life. Because there is a process to the promise. I was reading this week uh, uh, about diamonds, and I don't know if you've ever, you've ever looked at how diamonds are made. In fact, I, I have this diamond here. I took it off Shayla's uh, engagement ring to use it. <laughs> it's like, wow, blah. It's Parkland, right? You know, you got to be blinging. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm mad. I live in Parkland. I can't really dog it anymore. Uh, but diamonds are beautiful, right? And everybody wants a diamond. They're, they're girl's best friend. That's what they're, they've told us. Some girls are shaking their head. They're like, yeah, we like them. Uh, <laughs> but diamonds don't always look like this. There's actually a process in which they are formed. In fact, if, if you were to know where the origin of a diamond starts, it actually starts 100 miles down in the center of the earth. In a place called the mantle where there is tons of heat and tons of pressure. In fact, the, the, the temperatures are about 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. How many of y'all know that's pretty hot? And it's also, uh, there is 720,000 pounds of pressure per square inch. And so what is happening is, 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 is the carbon and the minerals and, and all these things are, are all in the spot. And they're being pressed together in this immense pressure and this immense heat in life. And it's in this process that all of the diamond's characteristics are being formed in that season. And what's interesting in life is that everybody wants the product of the diamond, just nobody wants the process of getting to it. Nobody wants the pressure of the season where, where you're down 100 miles deep and nobody sees you and there's all this heat and there's all this pressure that's going on. But it's in that process that you're actually being formed and you're being developed and you're being created into something beautiful and unique and precious and unbelievable. And so many people are in a season where they're in the dark and they're like, I just want to be seen. No, no, no. You're being created into the creation that God has for you for the purpose for the intent that he has for you and you need the pressure and you need the heat and you need to work your weight in this season so that at a certain time because here's what happens is something catastrophic happens a geyser pushes this up or a volcano pushes this up and all of a sudden it rises to the surface out of nowhere and some of you that's your word for this year is you need to understand that you're in a waiting season right now and the weight is worth it. And if you'll work the weight, then you'll come out looking like a diamond that will be, lead you to your purpose and to your destiny. Now, back to the story. Remember, he's waited for seven years. Verse 21, it says, Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife. My time is completed. I want to make love to her. There are some weird things that you will say to your uncle when you've waited seven years. It says, but when evening came, he took his daughter Leah, this is weak eyes Leah, and brought her to Jacob, and Jacob made love to her. Whole nother sermon right there, but that's, it says in verse 25, when morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this? Like, what is this? What have you done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? 
Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, it's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage. He says, listen, you didn't read all the terms and conditions. You didn't see the fine print on this deal. But there was some fine print there before the older one finished this daughter's bridal week. Then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years. What? What? No way. Come on. How many, all, how many of you all would be honest and say, that would never happen to me? Go ahead, raise your hand. I would never allow something like that. Come on, raise them up high. Raise them up. Come on, be honest. And we're in church. Never let that happen to me. It's crazy. And I would tell you that that happens to every single one of us. You just don't see it. Because let me put it in practical terms. You wait for that relationship. God brings you that relationship. And then at some point, it's either that day after you get married or months after or maybe even years after. You roll over one day in bed and go, what is this? This is uglier than I ever thought it would ever be. I'm not talking about the person. I'm talking about the marriage. Let me explain. I thought it was going to look like this. I thought that they were always going to have kind and gentle words for me. I thought that every day that we would wake up, they would have makeup on and teeth brushed. And I thought that when he used to open the door for me, now he opens the door and slams it in my face as he's walking through, right? Because we had all of these expectations and all of these ideas. And the relationship doesn't look how you thought it would look. And so number two... When the relationship turns out different than you thought it would, don't run from it. Work on it. And if you'll learn to work on it, God's got you right there. And I love this story of Jacob because even after he gets married, what happens? The work starts more. And it shows me that you think that if there's no more work after you get married, you are deceived. This is where work actually starts. And you need to learn these three words, work on it. Your marriage is having trouble, work on it. They're giving you attitude, work on it. It's not what you expected it to be, work on it. And if you'll work on it, I believe that God will honor that. And I'm praying that God would give some people the grace here today to go back to some doors that they have closed in their relationship and open those doors back up and say, I'm not going to ignore it any longer. I'm going to get in the middle of this and I'm going to begin to work on it because I'm not giving up on that thing I put on a long time ago. And you'll have to work on some things and God has got you in there and if you'll get in there and begin to work God will begin to make something compatible that's incompatible I hear people all the time say man I fell out of love we're not compatible any longer not true you are compatible if you're willing to work on it Shayla and I are constantly working on our marriage in fact I want to give you some ways that we work on our marriage one of the ways is daily communication daily communication 
You have to take some time where you sit across from one another and you actually have a conversation. And that's hard because life gets busy. But here's the crazy fact right now. The average American couple, you know how long they talk every day? Four minutes. You're wondering why you're having trouble in your relationship when you're only talking to each other for four minutes. Now, when I say daily communication, I mean getting with one another, no electronics, no cell phones, no kids, no TV, and actually having a conversation about your day. Growing up, I did this curriculum called Growing Kids God's Way. They actually called it couch time, where you would sit across from one another for 10, 15 minutes, and you just have conversation. Some of you need to do that. It doesn't have to be when you get home from work. Maybe it's before the kids get up and you sit down at breakfast and have that or you go on a walk. But we need to make communication a part of our lifestyle of creating healthy dialogue with one another. How about this one? Weekly date nights. You have to be intentional about investing in your relationship. I'm shocked at how many people come to me and go, man, our relationship's struggling. And I'll go, hey, when's the last time you went out on a date? And they'll be like, oh, man, I can't afford that. I'll be like, have you checked out the price of divorce lately? It's way more expensive than that date night. Like it's time for some of us to go, man, the greatest investment that we can make is in our relationship, and I'm going to invest in my relationship. So get a babysitter, but it's going to cost me money. Yes. That's the point. Because if you don't spend anything on it, you don't value anything in it. It's time for some of us to start spending some money on our relationship because we value it highly. Listen, put the kids to bed really, really early. Like, y'all go to bed at 5. But it's still light out. I don't care. It's date night. Put them to bed. Order some food in. Go outside. Sit outside. Drink a glass of wine. Enjoy yourselves. Yeah. You need somebody to hype you up. She's right over here. How about this one? Yearly vacation. You need a time to get away because vacations are a necessary element. You need time away. Now, let me tell you what a vacation is. A vacation is without your children. Your children, when you take them places, that's called a trip because you're going to be tripping. Without your kids. Now, some of you are going to have a hard time with that because your kids are your life. But how many of y'all know that your kids, you're supposed to have them 0 to 18. They are to leave you and cleave to somebody else. That's the goal. They're not supposed to be with you at 35. So if they are, you might want to change that. You might want to make dating your spouse a priority. Because the greatest investment you can make in your children is showing them a healthy marriage. That's the best thing you can do. So make it happen. But TJ, you don't understand. Man, when Alexander was three months old, we went to Paris. We left him at home. (gasps) How could you do that? I love my wife. That's how I did it. I love him, man. Every day we were FaceTiming. We were were calling. They were sending us pictures on the hour, by the hour. We wanted continuous updates. But about by day three, we realized, man, we really needed this. Why? Because every time you do that, it's like a giant reset button on intimacy in your relationship. How about this one? Regular marriage counseling. This is an opportunity for you to have a checkup of where you are. 
It's one of the reasons why we tell you get in a connect group, get in a connect group, get in a connect group. It's not because we want you in a connect group. It's because we want your marriages healthy. We want your life healthy. We want you to get around some people that maybe are a little bit further along in your life that can help you through some of the the pitfalls and the, the bombs that are out there when it comes to your relational world. It's an important element. If you're having trouble in your marriage right now, go get some counseling. People that go get counseling aren't people that are needy. They're actually smart. Like smart people go get help before they really need help. So if you're struggling right now, call the church up. We'll give you some counselors that we recommend to help you develop some healthy relationships. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11, it says, Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. This verse shows me that it meant if you want to have an abundance in your marriage, here's the, here's the key. I'm not wishing for a better marriage. I'm working for it. Yes, and I'm going to work for it. And because I'm going to work for it, I'm going to have abundance in my relationship. And because as, as, as bad as your relationship may be, I believe that if you'll start to do your part, God will show up and do his part. And he'll start to restore the broken areas, the areas that need healing, the areas that are fractured. He'll start to put those things together because that's how he works. And so Jacob works for seven more years. And then verse 28, it says, and Jacob did so. And he finished the week with Leah. Then Laban gave him his daughter, Rachel, to be his wife. Then in verse 30, it says, he worked for Laban for another seven years. The story goes on. They try to get pregnant and they have, they have some problems getting pregnant. And it, it's just in marriage, everybody is going to have their problem. They're going to have some sort of issue or struggle. You're going to have some sort of deficit in your relationship. All of us do that we're constantly tweaking and working on. And, and they go through this rough patch and they work on it. And the Bible gives us the story of Rachel getting pregnant after a long time in verse Genesis 30, 22. It says, then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and enabled her to conceive. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And God... And, God has taken away my disgrace. She named him Joseph and said, may the Lord add to me another son. Now, Joseph goes on to be a great deliverer of Israel. He ends up being the second most powerful man in Egypt, delivering the rest of the brothers from famine and the rest of the family from famine. And, and, and Joseph ends up being a critical component in this story of Jacob's third season of life. His first season is a waiting season where he is waiting on that promise. His second season uh, of Jacob's life is a working season. And then you kind of go into this third season. And now it's not just about that relationship with the spouse. It's about this third season where it's a legacy season where he's creating a legacy through generations to come. And it's all about him being a person of character, a person of integrity, a person of honor in living in such a way that he can then pass that down to his sons and have that live him out. And so you see a lot of Jacob in Joseph's life. I mean, Joseph was known as a hard worker. Where did he learn that from? Jacob. Joseph is, is known to wait for really, really long, hard seasons. Where did he learn that from? His father. Joseph is faced with incredible sexual temptation, yet he abstains from it and honors God in that moment. Where did he learn that from? He learned that from his dad, Jacob. So write it down in your notes. Number three, think long-term legacy and sort of short-term pleasure. You want to have a relationship that works? You have to work 
on your legacy. you got to make sure that you're thinking long-term continuously because way too many people, and I'm just going to get brutal with you, church, right now because I love you too much and I'm seeing it happen too much. There are way too many people that give up on their marriage too early. There are way many, too many people that are giving up on their kids. There are way too many people that are giving up on their life. They're giving up on their legacy because they want short-term, temporary pleasure. And there is nothing that grieves my heart more as your pastor than when I see this. And so I want to tell you, don't give up what you want most for what you want now. So many people are like, man, I want this, this sexual pleasure right now. I want that office worker right now. I want to get into this thing right now. I want to view pornography right now. I can have this fulfillment right now. And the enemy's greatest tactic is to get you so focused on what you can have in this moment that you'll miss on what, out on what you ultimately want most in life. And that moment passes you by, man, and it ruins the rest of your legacy. Because you're defined by that moment instead of what you want most. And it's so disturbing to me when people walk into my office or call me up on the phone and they go, you know what, I'm just done with my marriage. I'm like, you're done? They're like, I'm done. I'm like, what about your kids? Your grandkids and your great-grandkids. They're going to sit back one day and they're going to talk. They're going to talk about you. And how you cowered your way out of this situation. Develop some resiliency in your life. Develop some fight in your life. It's not too late. It's not about you. It's about your legacy. What's going to matter most is not that you chose the easy thing, but you chose the right thing and you lived it out. Now see this in Jacob's life right up to the end. In Genesis 49:33 it says when Jacob had finished giving instructions to his son. What's he doing? He's creating generational legacy. The last thing he's doing is he's instructing his sons. He's like, "Hey, this is how you treat your wife. This is how you manage your finances. This is how you you raise your kids and like, that's good, dad." It says then he drew his feet up into the bed and breathed his last was gathered to his people. Moves on to Genesis chapter 50. It says, Then Joseph threw himself on his father and wept over him and kissed him. And one day, and hopefully a long time from now, your family, your spouse, your children, your great-grandchildren are going to gather around your bed and they're going to start telling stories. And those stories are your legacy it's not going to happen by accident. It's going to happen because you began to live with the end in mind right now. And Jacob didn't get this at the end of his life. He actually saw this 25 chapters earlier. When his brother Esau was trading his birthright for a bowl of stew, Jacob was like, man, I want, I want the legacy in my life. He decided a long time ago that he was going to live with legacy in mind. I'm going to challenge you, invest in your family, invest in your children, invest in your relationships. And I know it's going to be tough, but I know it will be worth it if you'll think about your long-term legacy. Let me end with this. I love to play golf. I'm a, 
I'm addicted to golf. I'm addicted to Jesus. I love my wife, and I love golf. It's kind of the, the priorities of life right now. And, uh, and I'm a golfer that I, I like playing by the rules. Like, you hit a shot, and it goes out of bounds. You're taking, you're taking that, that score. You're putting it down. Like, like, we're not cheating. We're playing the game as it was intended to play. And, and we're going to count every stroke, and we're going to get to the end, and we're going to see where we measure up in life. That's, that's how I play the game. But last Friday, I went out golfing with Shayla. And Shayla, Shayla plays golf a lot differently. I would call her the gracious player in golf. You know, she goes out, and, and I hit a bad shot, and she's like, oh, that, 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 that. Here, do another one. And so what she'll do is she'll throw me another ball. She'll be like, just go ahead and hit another one. And I'll hit that one bad. And I'll be like, hey, hey, uh, that was a bad shot. And so, so she'll go, hey, here's another one. You know, and, and like, why? Because she's gracious. I like, that isn't how the rules of golf are actually supposed to be played. But I like playing with her because I score way better. <laughs> here's what I know about life. There's a lot of us, we feel like, man, in, in, in life, man, we hit our shot in the, the waiting season, and, man, we miss bad. Man, that's counted against us. And in the working season, man, we kind of screwed that one up too. Man, we got a bad score on that season as well. And then, then comes the legacy, and you're like, man, my, my life is kind of in shambles right now. But here's the deal. There's this gracious player that arrived on the scene named Jesus Christ, and he said, here's what I do. I don't give you another shot. I give you a mulligan because that's what this is called. Here's a second chance, and I know you feel like you've ruined it in your waiting season or in your working season or in your legging season, but we serve a God that already did the work for us, that he says, hey, I want to give you a second chance. I want to give you a second shot. So no matter where you're at, God wants to give you a second shot here today. He wants to give you a second chance with every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here today and you need the ultimate fresh start. And I re believe that God is releasing a fresh grace today. And you're in a waiting season and, and you're working there. And I believe he's going to give you a grace to be able to push through in that season. Others of you, you're in a, a season of your marriage where there's just issues. And he's, I believe he's going to give you a fresh grace to, to work on that marriage and not run from it here today. Some of you are in a legacy season and he wants to give you a fresh grace with those kids and those grandkids to do a new and a fresh start. And though, for those that are here that are wanting to give up and throw in the towel, God, I believe that you're going to give them a fresh start. And I, and I know this, that relationships at work take work. And, and ultimately, God, you did the most work possible when you sent your son Jesus to the cross because you wanted a relationship with us. And you said, you know what? I'm going to do the work ahead of time. I'm going to pave the way where there is no way so that every single man, woman, and child can be reunited have a mulligan with me because of my amazing grace and maybe you're in here today and you've never experienced that relationship or you did a long time ago and you say you know what pastor tj i need a mulligan in my life i need to express grace from the creator of the universe in my life here today with every head bowed and every eye closed if that's you if you just slip your hand up i'd love to pray for you on the count of three one two three go ahead and slip your hand up yes ma'am yes sir thank you four five six yes anybody else seven yes thank you if you just pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud, say, God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to give me a fresh grace. God, I pray that as he came to this earth and died a sinner's death for my mistakes, for my shame, for my pain, that you would forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life, take over, help to lead me and guide me and move me and restore me, God, that I would take advantage of whatever season I'm in, whether it's the waiting season, whether it's the working season or 
whether it's the legacy season, God, that I would live for what I want most, not what I want now. And that, God, that you would help me, restore me, and empower me. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen.